0: And we are alive from social at Midtown in Gainesville for Locked On Gators, talking to Florida Gators, taking on the Utah Utes. I mean, right now, obviously, we're recording Thursday night, but the game is happening tomorrow by the time you're listening to this, and we're going to talk about it here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. hello and welcome back to another episode of locked on gators part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day thanks for making locked on gators your first listen of the day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts happy friday i'm brandon or thursday if you're here happy friday i'm brandon olson you find me on twitter at wns underscore brandon by my written work at Whole9Sports and GiantsCountryFSI.com. You can find me, I mean at this point now, tonight at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time at The Social at Midtown in Gainesville. We're going live again. I think we're going to do Q&A style here. We'll see what happens with it. But today we're talking about this Florida offense versus Utah defense. And then we're, we're previewing this game, baby. That's what we're doing here. Uh, before getting into today's content, just like, subscribe, comment, and review. Do whatever it is you want to do. And if you're in Gainesville... 5:30 p.m. Eastern Time. Social at Midtown in Gainesville. Talking about the Florida Gators and Utah Utes. And now we're going to start with the offense because obviously that's what everybody likes to talk about more. Florida Gators. Oh, this is a banger playing behind me. I don't know if you could hear it, but it's a banger. Um, Florida Gators offense versus Utah, UD, Utah Utes defense. Main things to talk about obviously is Anthony Richardson. It's his first start as the unquestioned starter last season. I've I've said it before. I know that the players preferred Anthony Richardson but that the coaching staff was dead set on Emory Jones, starting as as stupid as that decision was. But now this coaching staff has a brain. They have eyes. They know Anthony Richardson is QB1 of the Florida Gators. And I think when you look at this game, you have to go, the, the quick game has to be the focal point here. The quick game to help him build rhythm, build confidence, and build momentum as a passer before he takes those deep shots that we know he's going to want to take. I still think first play of the game, if Florida starts on offense, is a run or a deep shot. I think those are the two options. There's no screen, no RPO here. That's what we're talking about. I do think that throughout the game, we'll see quite a bit of the RPO and the option game. Obviously different things there. If you don't know, RPO is run pass option, so you can throw the ball there. And then the read option is obviously the read option. We're Florida fans. We know what that is. We've seen spread option. We've seen every option that you can see from this game. And I I think we'll see that, but I think early on, at least, we'll see a little bit of hesitancy from Billy Napier, from Rob Sale, from this entire coaching staff to really go option early on, just primarily because of the depth there. Right now, you don't have Jack Miller the III, the transfer quarterback from Ohio State. Right now, you're rolling with Jack Angle, and you're and you're rolling with Angle and Anderson. I realize I'm just calling him Jack Angle. You're rolling with Angle and Anderson as your backup quarterbacks, and I think that that's a little concerning if you're a florida fan because if anthony richardson gets hurt it's tough i know lee sterling got a little bit of uh, got a little bit of heat for last week saying you know if anthony richardson gets injured this is a three win florida hitters football team and that remains true if anthony richardson gets hurt florida in for a tough season i think another thing we're going to see is rotating running backs early and often keep them fresh we know that florida's going to want to th- run the ball maybe throw the ball a little more now that the rain looks like it's not gonna happen on Saturday. Instead it'll be Friday and Sunday. So I'm fine with that. As long as it doesn't rain Saturday, that'd be wonderful. But I think you'll see rotating running backs early and often. Florida wants to run the ball. We know that. I think that you'll see a little bit of um a little bit of Naquan right working as that primary passing downs back, just given his ability and proven ability as a runner, as a receiver, and he's possibly the best pass-blocking back on the roster right now because, again, Damian Pierce is gone as good as a pass-blocker as he was. He is now in the NFL, likely starting running back for the Houston Texans. Looking at wide receiver, Justin Shorter is obviously the biggest receiver on this Florida Gators roster, starting outside receiver. Big-time name, big-time target for Anthony Richardson, and Emory Jones was last year, obviously. I think the biggest thing to talk about with Justin Shorter here is Utah's defensive backs are tiny. You know, I I look like a little dude. They're the same size as me, probably a little heavier, but they're the same size as me. So Utah's tallest corner is six foot two, but he's their backup right corner. So we're not worried about that. Every other corner that was listed on Utah's two deep depth chart, 5'11 or shorter, a lot of 5'11, 5'10 range. That's what we're looking at. I think when you got Justin Shorter, a legitimate six foot four receiver, you go, we're going to throw you the ball early and often, and we don't care if you're contested. You're bigger than these guys. you got jump ball ability. You're willing to go up and get the ball. He showed that. I mean, he got damn near killed in the bowl game because Emory Jones threw a ball. I'm not blaming Emery for that. Justin Shorter laid out for it, got hit, didn't work out for him. But I think Justin Shorter has to really establish himself early on as, you know, if you want to put a smaller man on me, I'm going to cook you. And guess what? If you put that six-foot-two corner on me, there's a reason he's the backup, and I'm going to show you exactly what that reason is. So I think that's one of the more important things that you're looking at in this passing game is Justin Shorter's got to be a focal point. We saw him him and Anthony Richardson work in the spring game, the RPO game, those RPO slants worked a ton. Expect to see that from Florida just throughout this season, but also this Saturday against Utah, especially with that size. And then you look at that size and it's like, okay, like, like, He's, he's a dog there. You look at contributions last season, Justin Shorter is your best returning receiver. You look at all the improvements that this whole receiving corps have made under Kerry Colbert, and that's still what you're looking at. Is it all circles back to Justin Shorter being that dude. And then looking at the offensive line, the trenches, I know that a lot of fans don't like to talk about it, but this coaching staff, loves to talk about it. The offensive line has to establish their will. And by establish their will, I don't mean that you need to be just an absolutely dominant offensive line. You don't need to pick up eight yards per carry. You don't need to pancake every Utah defender that steps in your path. What you need to do is be able to find success consistently, whether that's running the ball or throwing the ball. You need to not have penalties that's that's gonna kill your entire team, especially against a team like Utah. So you need to limit the penalties. You need to be able to consistently find success running the ball, and as a pass protecting offensive line, you need to find a cohesive ground there. And I know that the interior of the offensive line, I'm very confident in in terms of being able to pass protect and run the ball. I'm looking at the tackles here especially when you're looking at Utah where they're going to move a lot of defensive players around, a lot of defensive linemen, a lot of just the front seven players. They're going to move them around quite a bit. You've got to be prepared for stunts, blitzes, everything possible because if Florida does get going offensively and is behind that offensive line, Utah's going to make adjustments. Kyle Whittingham is one of the smartest coaches around, great defensive mind. He's not going to take this game lightly, and he's not. He's praising Anthony Richardson, calling him a Cam Newton-style player. Kyle Whittingham, I have never seen him praise a player the way he is. I don't know if he's just trying to gas, uh, gas Anthony Irson up or what, but he knows what he's got to deal with. We're going to talk about how this Florida defense can attack this Utah offensive line and or this Utah offense and what this Florida defense has to do to win this game. But first, a quick word from NHTSA because if you're one of those people who like to drive stoned or think it's okay to drive stoned. I hate you. Like if, I'm telling you that. If your thought process is, "What's the worst that can happen?" You know, I try drive below the speed limit. It's no big deal. Wrong and stupid. The truth is that your reaction time slows way down when you're high. You put not only yourself in danger, but everyone around you. And <laughs> like you talk about a buzz kill, that's you. Like, like just stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high if you've been using marijuana in any form. Whatever that may be, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high and get a DUI. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcast. Talking about this Florida defense matching up against this Utah offense. The primary thing here has to be the linebacker responsibilities for Florida. Ventrell Miller. Amari Burney, Shamar James, DeWan Black, Scooby Williams, Derek Wingo, whoever you have on that field, that linebacker, you have an incredible responsibility. And this is the biggest, if not the second biggest game in terms of linebacker performance and how that will translate to victory for Florida this season. The other one is maybe Georgia. Do you get the similarities here? It's teams that run the ball consistently and run the ball successfully, And then they also know how to utilize their tight ends in both the running game and the passing game. Florida, the linebackers, they need to step up. Linebackers obviously always have the run and pass responsibilities, but against Utah, with their emphasis on tight ends in both the passing game and the rushing game, you have to perform. And it's not just you need to perform. well; You need to play a lights-out, well-rounded game. They're playing crisscross in the background. I'm about to get up and start dancing. I'm going to let you know that. The heavy usage of the tight ends whether it's you know 12 personnel 13 personnel whatever it is that utah is going to do the linebackers need to step up primarily looking at ventreo miller primarily looking at amari bernie in different ways in coverage we're more worried about Ventura miller in run defense we're more worried about amari bernie i don't know how you feel about that i i kind of hate it but i kind of like it i'm like okay we got one guy who specializes there playing playing uh, pretty much all the times but then again, we are we got kind of liabilities because if I'm Utah, I'm going, if I see Ventra Miller in coverage, I'm putting a tight end in motion. If Ventra Miller follows him, I am throwing that ball at whoever Ventra Miller is covering. Looking at up front in the trenches again here, we've got to talk about it. Because yes, everybody talks about this Utah offensive line. You go, Oh, this Utah offensive line, they're dominant. They're so good. They're always so good and so consistent. Here's the thing. Utah's offensive line does a very, very good job at imposing their will, running the ball. But that's about it. I I will take you back to that San Diego State game last year, and I know so many Utah fans were like, you can't count that game. They weren't trying until Cam Rising was starting. Shut up. (laughs) It's as simple as that. I don't care if they didn't like Charlie Brewer. Shut up. It's as simple as that when you talk about that. This is a Utah offensive line that had certain struggles. And Florida looks like they can replicate what happened in that game, specifically when you're looking at someone like Cam Thomas playing that 3-4 defensive end role. Guess who Florida has playing a 3-4 defensive end role? You got Jervon Dexter doing his thing over there. Like, I, I think that's what you really have to worry about when you're looking at this pass rush if you're a Utah fan. You go, where is 9 on defense? every single time because that is a one-man wrecking crew where yes Brenton Cox Jr. is a fantastic pass rusher there are so many fantastic pass rushers on this Florida Gators team but Jervon Dexter is the biggest concern if I'm a Utah fan I'm looking at Cam Thomas last year just absolutely wrecked Utah snap in and snap out Jervon Dexter has that kind of ability I think he's better than Cam Thomas was I think Cam Thomas was very good I just don't think he's as good as Javon Dexter is. You're talking about an all-American caliber defensive lineman there. So I think when you go, yeah, they can run the ball and they might have some success there. A lot of that's going to depend on the defensive on the, uh, linebackers and, and if they can really clean up plays. But pass rushing, I think Florida's just going to go, A, make, like we'll rush four and we'll, and we'll make our money that way. Also, looking at wide receiver, it's very, very similar to the issue that Utah might have when facing Florida's receivers. Utah has these bigger receivers, similar to how Florida has big receivers in Justin Shorter and in Xavier Henderson, whereas Utah's smaller corners, Utah has that same advantage with two receivers, two starting receivers, two of their three starting receivers, six foot three or taller. And that's a little bit of a struggle, especially when you look at Florida's secondary, whose tallest starting corner is Avery Helm, who is a shade under one, He is six foot and three quarters of an inch, if I'm not mistaken. That's off the top of my head. Sorry if I got that wrong, but he, I, I know that he is the tallest starting corner. He's taller than Jason Marshall. He's taller than Travis Johnson. So you're looking at smaller corners, again, matching up against these taller Utah receivers where they could give you the same argument that I made for Justin Shorter. And I'm like, yeah, you throw that slant. You, you do whatever. Can you put him in the slot and you just line them up and you go hey, we're running slants. We're running bubble screens. David Locke, I'm not responsible if you can hear the foul language in this song. It's a very good song, but I'm not responsible for that. Um, but you're looking at this this same matchup in terms of looking at taller receivers with smaller DBs, it works against Florida as well. So everything that we've said about Justin Shorter, and we're like, oh, well, he could just dog these corners. Guess what? Utah's got two of them that can do the same thing against smaller Florida corners. So I do think Florida's corners are more talented, but at the same time, if height is your biggest metric and height's your biggest argument and your biggest measurement, we're looking at a team where it's like, well, They match up pretty well when they take on the Florida Gators. So I think Florida really has to win those battles. It's not even about locking them down completely. It's about getting a hand on the ball, getting your hand at the catch point, interrupting that and disrupting that and just forcing completions. I'm not asking you to play complete clamps coverage. It would be nice, but I'm not asking you to play complete clamps coverage. I'm not asking you to pick the ball off three times. If Young Metro don't trust you, you know what's gonna happen. Uh, but we're talking about just playing tight coverage, contested in every catch, and don't give up anything easy. And especially looking at penalties, that happens when you got some smaller DBs playing against these taller receivers. I don't know what happened. It's Pitts West Virginia. That's what happens though sometimes. So you gotta really rein those in, especially for Florida, who last season had a couple corners with or a couple DBs with a couple. Of issues with penalties. We're about to talk about the depth chart notes, some notable things there. But first, a quick word from our sponsors to wrap up today's show. We're talking about some depth chart notes for the Florida Gators football team that, you know, I did a projection earlier this week or a prediction earlier this week, and, you know, I wasn't 100% right. I was, I was more accurate than I anticipated, so I'm fine with it. But yeah, I wasn't 100% right. First thing I'm doing is I'm taking a victory lap because I feel like a lot of Florida Gators. Fans and media were calling for Jason Marshall Jr. and Jalen Kimber, or Jason Marshall Jr. and a healthy Jaden Hill, or Jason Marshall Jr. and another corner, Devin Moore, will say. I think I was one of the few, if not the only, media members that was like, hey, Jason Marshall Jr. and Avery Helm should be the starting corner duo. And that's wild, because I guess who it was. Yes, it was the two best corners are the Florida Gators' starting corners. That's what we're talking about. Like That's what we're talking about here. And I realize that a lot of people were calling Avery Helm Avery Held because he had five penalties last season. Not all penalties are bad. I'll say that. And he also didn't allow a touchdown, but they don't want to talk about that. But not all penalties are bad because maybe if he doesn't hold, he does give up a touchdown, trips up, whatever it might be. Maybe he knows he's not going to win that jump ball. So he gets a DPI. I've done it before. I've lost the ball in the sun, and I'm like, hey, I'm just hitting this receiver. And (laughs) I'm just giving him the 15 yards rather than the 43-yard completion where I might not make the tackle. So not all penalties are bad. I I understand you don't want penalties, but context for all of them. Running back, Lorenzo Lingard's omission is surprising and telling because this is now multiple years where Lorenzo Lingard has not lived up to the Preseason hype of—he's a five-star running back. He's a freak athlete. He's this—he's—he's he's lighting it up in spring ball. He's lighting it up in fall camp. Was he? Because there were three. There were three running backs on that depth chart. Lorenzo Lingard won one of them. You know who was a true freshman in Trevor Etienne. So I don't want to hear any more about you know Lorenzo Lingard is this fantastic five-star running back that's going to be great. I don't want to hear. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm saying he's not nearly as good as people have been giving him the unwarranted credit for, and that is something that we can talk about on another time. Looking at tight end, something that surprised me, but I think I know the reason behind it. Only two tight ends were listed on the depth chart for the Florida Gators. Uh, We know this is a team that they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets. Obviously, they're going to rotate players at pretty much every position. So you go, why wasn't there another tight end listed? I think when we're talking about it, we go, there are two tight end sets oftentimes. Keon Zipper, and Dante Sanders were listed as the two starting t- or the two tight ends there because there wasn't an award. So Dante Sanders, then Keon Zipper. I think the reasoning is more so if there is an injury or if there is a substitution, it depends on which tight end is no longer in the game that will determine which tight end comes into the game. And they didn't really list a lot of they didn't list a ton of players at any position. So I think when you're looking at it, you go. Well, it's probably different if Dante Zanders comes out for rest or injury or whatever, just a snap count, whatever it might be. It's very different for a lot of these guys where who's going to step in. It could be Jonathan Odom. It could be Nick Elksness. It could be Hayden Hansen, friend of the pod. So it could be a lot of other guys. It could be Arliss Bordingham. It could be anybody. And I think the reason that we didn't list those that many tight ends is because of the different roles. I thought we'd see two different starting tight end spots with Xanders and Zipper at different spots, and then their depth, that didn't happen. That's fine with me. I'm not going to harp on that. Linebacker. Dewan Black had to underperform greatly during fall camp because he is someone where we were like, okay, he's going to light it up. He's, he's going to be this huge part. He's finally going to be the chess piece that we see play. He was the third linebacker listed at that position at the second linebacker. We can we assume Ben Miller's linebacker one and Amari Bernie's linebacker two, right? DeJuan Black was the third linebacker listed at that second linebacker spot, lining him up at about linebacker five or six, which is incredibly telling for what the coaching staff thinks of him at this point. I don't know if it's talent. I don't know if it's just, just not keep it up with a playbook, whatever it might be. But DeJuan Black, last linebacker there, a little concerning. Offensive tackle, I mean, I missed, but I didn't miss here. Um, I expected Austin Barber to be listed as a left tackle backup, left tackle two, and Cameron Waits as right tackle two. It was flipped. Cameron Waits was listed at left tackle two with Austin Barber listed at right tackle two. I don't know what the reasoning behind it or the logic was behind it, but that that's what we're looking at. I especially thought with Cameron Waits' um, familiarity with Osiris Torrance on that right side of the offensive line that we'd see them stick to the same right side of the line. It didn't happen. Looking at Jack linebacker, that rush linebacker. No chief borders is incredibly disappointing, just given how much I expected from him this year as a versatile playmaker and a versatile contributor. But he's not there. I will say it kind of makes up for it, seeing David Reese healthy and on the depth chart. That's something where I'm like, you know what? I'll take pretty much any trade-off at that point. I think that's a fantastic one to see. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily. Banger banger daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast we'll be back tomorrow to talk more florida gators football now make your second listen to lockdown sec podcast hosted by chris gordy of sports 790 get the best coverage on the best university and i can't even i can't even point to the to the swamp behind me because i don't have it the swamp i'm pointing to it there it's right outside so there, including the University of Florida. For about gun gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of Find me at the social tonight, 5.30 Eastern Time, and I will see you all after a hopeful dough.